Welcome to Kavanaugh. Will you stand? Let's worship together. It's all because of Jesus. I'm alive. Because of Jesus that we experience new life. Amen. 
It is so good, and I'm so glad that we are able to celebrate together as Kavanaugh Church family this morning. So it's great to see you guys. So thankful to have you all here today. Special uh, greetings to our online community, especially to the new college students that went off to college yesterday. I know you're watching right now, so it's good to have you with us. Awesome, awesome. So proud of them and many prayers for all of our college students that moved off this weekend, okay? So guess what? I'm going to invite you all to stand right back up, all right? We're going to continue to worship, but we're going to ask God to bless our services today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And again, I just ask right now that your spirit moves among us today. You have something really special here for us today. And Lord, I want our hearts to be prepared to receive it whether it's through the remainder of worship or through the message that's going to be preached today, God, I pray that you work. Enable us, God. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Help us to be the people that you want us to be. We know that we can do all things through you, so encourage us today. Speak life into us today. And again, we love you, and again, so thankful that we're able to be here today as the body of Christ to worship and celebrate you in your name. Amen. Let's continue to worship today.
lifted up the living God. I am so thankful that you're speaking to hearts and to minds today. And I know, God, that we're just going to hang on every single word that you have for us. And I pray, God, that as your spirit is moving, that it would move through us and that it would open our hearts and our minds to those that are here, to those that are online, that are within the hearing range of our voice, God, because we need you to calm us. We need your spirit to help us be still, to help us know that you are God and that you're for us and that you can change us. You're changing everything right now. And I know, God, that right now you're moving across this country and across this world and you're taking away fears because we know they're present, God. We know that there's anxiety. And I pray, God, that you would just remove those things so that we can be conscious of all of the things that are around us that are good, that you provide, that are true and that are lovely and that are pure. And I pray, God, that right now you would be with Brother Will as he brings us the message that we would allow you to move through us as individuals so that we can go out and we can touch our world and we can be salt and light for you, God, that we can be representative of your spirit. I thank you so much for all that you've done for me and for my family, for this church, and I pray that you continue to bless us. And it's these things in your precious name, Jesus. team. Thank you, Don. That was dynamite, wasn't it? Fantastic. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Uh, glad that you're in the Lord's house and that we get to worship. Welcome those who are online uh, and a greetings to you who are here. Well, I'm, I just want to talk to you this morning, okay? I'm going to preach, but it's going to be a, a different kind of scenario. It's kind of like a, a midsummer fireside chat right here in the middle of August, heat index 105. Let's have a fireside chat. You want to? That means it might heat up a little bit, but really I just want to share my heart with you and kind of what's going on in my life as it relates to uh, this church and to our future. Uh, a couple of passages that uh, God's been speaking to me concerning over the past couple of weeks. The, the first one is uh, right here, Isaiah chapter 43, 18 and 19. God says, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Don't, don't get held up in the past. Don't be captive to the past. Why? Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. And let me tell you, our God is all about doing new things. He, he is the creator of the universe, and he can make something new out of your life. And out of bad situations, God can grow up something brand new and something awesome. So I've been thinking about this new thing, the new thing concept, in my life and for Kavanaugh Church. And so now I want to throw up some numbers on the, on the board. 15, 2, 59, 24. You might think, well, just random numbers. This is crazy will math. But do you know what these numbers add up to? 15, 2, 59, 24. You know what that adds up to? God's new thing. God's new thing. Let, let me explain it. It all starts with 15. 15 stands for August the 15th, which was yesterday. All right, a lot of things happened in my life yesterday. For example, the next number is the number 
two. We went from a family down to just two people. We, we went empty nester again yesterday. Now, you might say, well, that's nothing new. You've been empty nesting before. Well, you know, it never really sunk in, Stacy, because before when it happened, we'd had, we had kids and grandkids home every weekend, it seemed like, and, and we never got into the groove of just being Angie and I. And back in March, COVID hit, and Zane had to come home from UCA, and so Zane's been living at home for the last six months, and, and I mean, we're, we're just kind of a family again, you know, with, with more garbage to carry out on Thursday night, and, and more food to cook, and I mean, that kid eats us out of house and home, and I mean, but it was great. I enjoyed having Zane home. It was a wonderful time, wasn't it, Angie? But yesterday, we took him uh, now to the University of Arkansas, moved him in an apartment, uh, we came home, and at, we were sitting in the house yesterday evening, and, and I said, Angie, can you, do, do you just sense things are different? I mean, it's just me and you. Would y'all please pray for Miss Angie? <laughs> I don't think she can deal with me now, just me and her. I would hate to have to live with myself, honestly. But it's something new for us, empty nesting. It's a new thing for us. Are you excited for Angie and I? Six months, I'll tell you how it's going, okay? So that's something new that's happening in our life. 59, that's something new as well because yesterday, August the 15th, was my birthday. And I turned 59 years old, okay? That's something new for me. I've never been 59 before. And so it's new. I'm going to pick on you two guys right here. When you all hear somebody's 59 years old, what do you think? Does it make you think, dude, they're old. The uh, old man. He said it. He said it. Old man. Well, you know what? When I was that age and I heard somebody was 59, I thought they were about dead. <laughs> Honestly, you know, you're, you're supposed to 59. You're, it's all a matter of perspective, though. Let me tell you. Because I've never felt more alive than I do right now. 59 is just a number. I feel better than I've ever felt, I think, in my life. I've got more energy today. I'm, I just, man, I feel, you want to, come on, let's go a few rounds, dude. Come on, man. Come on. I'm just talking big right now because these two guys, I know they could take me down, you know. But I, I do feel good. I don't feel old. I feel new. Prime time. 59's prime time. And I say that about Kavanaugh Church, too, because here's what Kavanaugh have in, in common. I was born in 1961. This church was actually birthed November of 1962. So we're real close in age. I don't, I don't, I don't think of Kavanaugh as old, y'all. Prime time, baby. That's what we are. So that's something new for me. 59 is something new. Are y'all, just let me go with this for a second, okay? Here, here's the last number, 24. It's something new God is doing in my life as well, because Yesterday, I celebrated coming to this church. I ended 23 years of ministry at Kavanaugh Church yesterday. Angie and I moved on my birthday, August the 15th, 1997, to become ministers here at Kavanaugh Church. And so yesterday, I ended 23 years, and today I'm starting 24 years. That's something new. That's new for me. I've never lived in a place 24 years and it feels good, okay? So all of these things are new to me, a new experience being empty nesters, a new experience being in the prime time of my life and my health, and a new year 
of serving this church. All new things. God, God does new things. So that brought me to this passage, Luke chapter 5, that I want to share with you this morning about a parable Jesus spoke to the people there. He spoke a parable to them saying, no one puts a piece from a, get this, a new garment on an old garment. Otherwise, the new makes a tear in the old, and also the piece that was taken out of the new doesn't match the old. So if, if this makes sense to you, do your head like this. So I understand, okay, I mean, if you're a seamstress, if you've ever sewn, you, you understand this. If you grew up in my era, you understand this too, because, you know, we wore blue jeans back when I was a kid and would inevitably get a hole in the knee, and what would you do with that hole? Say it again, you'd what? You'd patch it. That's what we did in the old days. That's what you do when you're old. When you're a kid, you patch your jeans. Today, kids buy jeans with holes already cut in them. And they pay an enormous amount of money for holy jeans. I... Isn't this world crazy? Because we used to patch those jeans. And I can remember mom buying the, the patches. You just, Stacey, you'd iron them on. And, and they would work. I got tired of those, those iron-on patches because, they, you know, they kind of look nerdy and I wanted something cool. So my sister and I picked out some patches you could sew on, really cool different piece patches, octagon-shaped stop sign patch. Anybody my age remember those things, okay? But here's the problem. If you don't pre-wash those patches and just sew them on, the first time you wash your jeans, you got a mess, because the old doesn't go with the new. Are you with me? Yeah. Oh, I sure hope so. Here's verse 37. Here, another parable or illustration. Now, you might not relate to this on a couple of levels. One is, I hope you don't drink. But anyway, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. Here's, here's verse 38. He's summing it all up here. He says, But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, when Jesus spoke this, he spoke it to a group of people who didn't know what recyclable cans were, and they didn't have bottles to put their water in or anything else in. And so what they would take are animal skins, sew them up, cork the end of it, and they would put the liquids in the, wine, or in the animal skins, kind of like a canteen, okay? And the application he's making is this. You can't put new wine into an old wine skin. Why? Because after time, that, wine, that skin, animal skin, becomes hard and brittle. And if you put new wine into it, that new wine is going to continue to ferment and expand, and the gases are going to make that old animal skin explode. Does that make sense? Y'all yeah. well, going to have to talk to me this morning. Why? Because this is a fireside chat, all right? So you, you get to respond. Now, when Jesus told that parable of the wineskin, he said you can't put new wine in old wineskins. And, and he wasn't just making a statement or, or saying a fact. He was telling an application. Because this is life, Jesus says. 
This is what life is like. You can't put something new into something old. How did he say it? Verse 38, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Let me say it like this. New situations require new structures. New situations that come in require that you rethink the way you're doing things and perhaps establish a new structure or a new form to support the new thing that is happening. You don't understand, so let me say it like this. You get a new job, you're going to have to learn new skills, right? And even though you may be experienced in doing that particular job, you go to a new place doing the, the same job that you've been hired to do, you're going to have to learn new ways of doing it. Why? Because you're in a new place, a new environment with new people, and they have their own way of doing it. Think of it like this. New relationships require new ways of relating. And there are times when you face something new and different and it causes you to be stretched. Right? At Kavanaugh Church, again, I've been here a long time now, and we've experienced this over and over and over again. Because if this church continues to grow, we have to restructure. We can't keep doing things the same old way that they've been done because we have more people. A new structure has to be formed. So new situations require new structures. Everybody look at me. I'm venting right now. 2020 has been the craziest year of my life. Okay? I've, I've been alive a long time now, 58 years, starting 59, and I've seen a lot of crazy things in my life. Have you? Raise your hand if you've seen crazy things. But how many of you would agree with me? This is the craziest. Absolutely, it is the craziest year I have ever experienced. And, and, and what do you do? You, you, you can't go by what the psychics say are going to happen, nor can you base what you think is going to happen on politicians, because really, politicians and psychics are kind of in the same boat, if you ask me, you know. So who do you read? Who do you believe? I think we're best off reading the Bible and believing what God says. Okay? And I think this is a really good time for us to re-examine our own life. I think it's safe to say that we have faced and we will continue to face three new wines, okay? new situations that have occurred this year. You're going to have new problems, new pressures because of those new problems, but you're also going to face new possibilities. So how in the world do we cope? How in the world do we make it? How do we succeed? I believe that there are three character qualities that are indispensable as we face these new situations in the year 2020. I also believe the Bible teaches these three character qualities are what you need to face your future. And what are they? They are creativity, conviction, and courage. So you put all of this together, and we have the three things I want to share with you during our fireside chat this morning. Number one, new problems will require creativity on your part. New pressures will require conviction. And number three, new possibilities will require courage 
like you've never had before. Let's talk about these three. Number one, new problems will require creativity. I've got both good news and bad news. Y'all want the bad news first? I'm going to give it to you first. Bad news is all of our problems are not over. You think, oh, it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, yes, it could. Okay? And it probably will. The, the good news is th these are not like problems you've ever had before. All of the problems we're facing right now, we've, we've never faced anything like this before. Here is a whole new set of problems. And most of us have no earthly idea what problems are coming around the corner, do we? New problems require new solutions. The old ways of thinking and relating and the old attitudes that we've always had are not going to work in this new environment that we're living in. Come on. It's absolutely true. Here's what the Bible says. Let me read for you Proverbs 18 verse 15. Out of the Living Bible it says, The intelligent man is always open to new ideas. In fact, He's looking for them. He's looking for these new ideas. The, the New Living Translation translates this verse. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are always open for knowledge. In other words, an intelligent person never has a closed mind. Why? Because there are new problems we face every day, and those problems have got to be solved. Therefore, we need to be creative in solving the problems. So don't have a closed mind. Have you ever been guilty of having a closed mind? Years ago I received a, a, an email from a preacher friend about the uh, 16 excuses for a closed mind. I'm going to throw all 16 up here. Number one is we've never tried that before. Okay? Our place is different. It, it just won't work here. It costs too much. We don't have enough time to do that. We've never done it before. Oh, my lands. We don't say this in church, but maybe in your business. It's against company policy to do that. Right? It's not our problem. You're right. But we're not ready for that. It isn't in the budget. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Let's form a committee. <laughs> hey, if you want to kill something, just put it in committee, right? Let's sleep on it. It's too much trouble to change. It's impossible. And here's the last one, number 16. We've always done it this way. And that typically is your problem right there. You've always done it that way. You know what? Here's what I've discovered. Most of us spend more time and more energy trying to get around problems than we do solving problems. And don't use the excuse and say, well, I'm just not creative. And remember, the point is new problems require creativity. You're, you're just, you know, copping out when you say, I'm not creative, because you are creative. You are made by the creator. And, and I've got a feeling that the creator put a little bit of those creative juices inside of every one of us. So let's not use that as an excuse. Here's what I've discovered in Will Harmon's life. My biggest block is my own mind. My biggest block is my own attitude. I don't like to deal with change. Do you? And I've hated to deal with COVID-19 because it has changed everything. But you know what? You can't just have a bad attitude about it. You need to have a renewed mind about it. Ephesians chapter 4, 
Verse 23, here's what Paul says. And be what? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's, that's something new. Allow God to renew your mind. Allow God to refresh your mind. Allow God to allow your mind to be creative to solve the problems you're facing. And put on the what man? The new man, which was created according to God. Let me go back to this. Our God is very creative. He created you in the first place. And he has the ability to recreate you and make you into the new person that you need to be. Therefore, he has the ability to change your attitude and renew your mind. I heard about this old man, 105 years old. Now, that's old. Okay, 105 is old, all right? He was being interviewed on the Today Show, and they said, in 105 years, I bet you've seen a lot of change. And here's what he said. Yep, and I've been against every one of them. <laughs> close mind. Yeah, close mind. I've had him as a deacon before. Same old guy right there. You know what? In, in 2020, we cannot have hardening of the attitudes. Okay? We've got to keep going and growing and developing. I don't know this theologian's name, but I love his work. A famed theologian said, attitudes are like diapers. Wrap your mind around that. Every once in a while they need to be changed or they're going to stink the place up. Come on, people. That's funny, man. Huh? You need a new mind, a new attitude. You need new ways of looking at things, new solutions to, to problems that are going to come along because you know what? We're facing those problems. Have you ever noticed that, that, that easy tasks become more difficult when you've got a bad attitude. Even the easy things are hard when your attitude stinks. Well, in 2020, you can't control all the things that are happening. Have you tried to control COVID? You can't do it. Okay? To me, that's the most frustrating thing because I, I like to fix things. I like to control things. And right now, everything is out of control. Everything has changed. Even the way we do church has changed. And I tell you what, that, that can drive people like me crazy. I can't control it. But you know what? Neither can you control the wind. But you can set your sail to catch the wind. And I may not be able to control everything that is happening around me and the problems that I'm facing, but I can control how I respond to those things. New problems are going to require creativity on your part. Here's the key. The key is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, let this... In fact, let's read this together. Would you read this with me? One, two, three. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How do we deal with the problems we're facing? We need to have the mind of Christ. We need to think like Jesus. And I remind you, our God is a very creative God. And even though the church is facing attack today, and even though we're dealing with this problem, we can find solutions to the problem. Why? God is going to give us the ability to do that. So you need to allow those creative juices to flow in your mind for your own family, for this church. And let me tell you, we need it for America as well. New problems are going to require creativity. Number two, new pressures will require Conviction. With problems, there's pressure. 
You know how that works. Problems mount, pressure builds. Therefore, you need conviction. Conviction is a willingness to stand up for what you believe. Conviction means that you don't cave in to peer pressure or to culture or to society. You know, it's crazy. Magazines come up with all these lists of what's in and what's out. Like you're supposed to conform to what they say. Don't conform to the world. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. In fact, the Bible says that in Romans chapter 12. In the King James, it says, Be not conformed to this world. Here's the way the, the Phillips translation translates this verse. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but let God remake you so your whole attitude of mind is changed. So don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You don't conform to the world. Have conviction. Stand up for what you believe in. You know what? There's going to be a lot of pressure, and there has been a lot of pressure in this world at this time to squeeze us into the mold that the world wants us to have. But you're going to have to have conviction and stand up against that and say no. Now, I can apply this in a hundred different ways, but here's the way I want to apply it. I can remember when I was a teenager, we lived in Lubbock, Texas, went to the, uh, the Free Will Baptist Church there in Lubbock. My pastor was Keith Woody. Uh, he, was, he was there the whole time. He had a son named Danny. Danny and I were the same age. In fact, Danny and I went to Hillsdale together. Danny and I literally were the youth group. Well, there was a few other kids in the group, but we, we were it. And, and one Sunday night, Brother Keith, our pastor, allowed us to have a youth service. And we were all excited about that. And so I kind of let Danny plan it because I was going to preach. And so he came up with this plan. He told his dad, Dad, I want you to have the regular song service. I want you to get up there and start preaching. But then we're going to come in and take over. And you just kind of flow with it, Dad. And Keith said, okay, okay, because he, he, he loved us kids. And so... Here, sir, I don't know if you all remember this. Service started, had song service, but the, Keith got up there and preached. And right into his sermon, you started hearing this racket outside the building, beating on the windows and a rattling of the door. And all of a sudden, these teenagers came running into the building. They were all dressed in black, and they, they were carrying guns, real guns. <laughs> this was... This was back in 1978, okay, and it was okay. People actually carried rifles on their, in their pickup trucks back then, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Don't freak out. They weren't loaded. But all these teenagers came running in, and they, they ran up on the stage, and they apprehended Brother Keith, and, and they put him in shackles, and they were harassing the people down the aisles. Y'all remember this? Y'all remember that? And, and they lined up some of the deacons and said, okay, you've got a choice. You can either confess Jesus or die. It was real corny, David. Every day, it, it was pretty corny. But it got the point across. And then I came up and, and I preached a sermon. You know what? There are people in our world today who are facing this kind of persecution. There are churches literally in the world where this kind of thing can happen on any given time they come together and worship. The officials can come in and shut them down and throw them in prison. Aren't you thankful for the freedoms that we have? Amen. Hey? That, that was that whole service. That was back in 1978. You know, I would, I would, I would, it would have been inconceivable to think that that kind of thing would ever happen in the United States of America. 1978. Never. A couple years ago, I'd never think anything like that could happen. Dude, let me tell you. 
It's right around the corner. Literally, and, and I'm not trying to freak you out or scare you this morning. I'm just here to tell you, that could actually happen in the United States. There are people in this country right now who do want to shut us down. Be aware, it could happen to us. It's not that far-fetched. And if you think, oh, there's nothing like that could ever happen, you're being foolish. It's around the corner. So let me just ask you, what are you going to do if something like that does happen? Are you going to cave in and allow the world to squeeze you into its mold? Or are we going to have enough conviction to stand up for what is right? Because here's the deal. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Last week in my sermon, I, I talked to you about having values in your life. And I suggested that you go home and you write down the things that you value, things that are important to you, things that you would be willing to die for. I think you need to do that. Those are your convictions. Back in the 80s, there was a, uh, a song that was, that was sung, um, uh, Culture Club sang it, Boy George. Anybody remember Boy George? What a weird dude, man. And um, I never could understand the words that he was actually singing, but it was like, come a, come a, come a, come a, come a chameleon. I remember that? It's actually karma chameleon is what it, what it is, but he's British. And it was, who's laughing over there? You th you re anybody remember that song? Crazy. Here's a line out of that song. I'm a man without conviction. Let me say, boy, George was without conviction, okay? I'm a man without conviction. Can I tell you something, church at Kavanaugh? We need some men and women who have convictions. We need some people who are willing to stand up with convictions and not be wishy-washy and not allow the world to squeeze you into their mold. Some of you who say, you know what, I don't care what's going on in our world today and what the world is trying to get us to do, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand on the Word of God and the Bible, and I'm going to do what is right, and I'm not going to allow the world to squeeze me into its mold. That's conviction. Where, where do you get conviction like that? I think it comes from two places. Number one, it comes from God's presence, spending time with God. Number two, it comes from God's Word. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, They who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So if you're walking with God, if you're hanging with God, if you're waiting on God every day, let me tell you, he will give you the strength to stand when you need to stand. Have you ever wondered why God allows stress and pressure in your life in the first place? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, I think, that, I, I wonder that all the time. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to live for you. Why, why do you let stress and pressure in my life? And can I just say, I've felt more stress and more pressure over the last six months than I think I ever have in ministry combined. Honestly. Well, Lord, why? Why do we have to have stress in our life? Well, Paul gives us the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Here's what Paul says. We were under great what? Pressure. That's what we're talking about, right? We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Now, let me do a little time out right here. Who's writing this? It's the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian maybe to ever live, the greatest missionary to have ever lived. He wrote over half the New Testament. 
And here's what Paul is saying. We were under more pressure than, than you can even imagine, so much so that we thought we were going to die. I was even despairing unto death. But listen to what he said. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. So why does God allow stress and pressure in your life? So that you will quit relying on yourself and rely on him. He is the one who can give us power to overcome. We need to thank God for that. New pressures are going to require conviction in your life. Do you know the difference between conviction and an opinion? Well, opinion is something you'll argue about. A conviction is something you're going to die for. Let me tell you something, friends. We need some convictions. Some convictions that are going to help us to make it through this pandemic and through the rest of our life. New pressures require convictions. You need to know what you're standing for. And then you've got to be able to stand. And that brings me to point number three. New possibilities will require courage. Now, this past year has been full of problems. How about an amen? It's been full of pressure. Amen. But it's also full of wonderful plans that God has for you. I, honestly, I can't think of a more exciting time to be alive than right now. It's all in your perspective, is it not? I mean, how much worse can it get, you're thinking? Well, it could probably get a lot worse. But along with that, I know how this story ends. And God is up to some good stuff right now. My prayer is, Lord, show me what you're doing and help me to get on board. Because I want to be a part of what you're doing. God wants you to do great things in your life. Not only in the year 2020, but over the remainder of your life. However, that's not going to happen automatically. It's just not going to happen on its own. You're going to have to step out in faith. You're going to have to take a risk. I love Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Maybe you hadn't read this in a long time. Let me read it out of the Good News Translation. God said, plow new ground for yourselves, plant righteousness, and reap the blessings that your devotion to me will produce. Three words that I want you to see there, plow, plant, and reap. Do you got those verses, those words? Plow new ground for yourselves, plant righteousness, reap the blessings that your devotion will, to me will produce. It is time for you to turn to me, your Lord. And I will come and I will pour out what on you? Blessings. Man, what a great verse. If you want this year to count in your life, you're going to have to do some cultivating. Right? You're going to have to plow, plant, and reap. So what are you wanting to harvest by the end of this year? There are 137 days left in 2020. Can somebody give me a big amen for that? Right? Okay, What do you want the end of this year to look like? How are you going to be any different in 137 days from now? If you plan to have differences in your life at the end of this year or the start of next year, guess what? You need to start cultivating right now. You need to start plowing some new ground right now. You're going to have to cultivate some new habits you're going to have to plow up some new relationships. You need to cultivate some new activities. 
And those things just don't happen automatically. You're going to have to do it. You've got to get to work. If you're going to be any different a year from now or at the end of this year, you've got to start cultivating right now. So fireside chat, right? Fireside chat. What do you want different in your family? What do you want different in your finances? What do you want different in your personal walk with Jesus Christ? What do you want different in your relationship with your kids and your grandkids? Well, whatever you want that to look like, you're going to have to start cultivating it now. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And if you're not sowing anything, guess what? You ain't going to reap anything. What is it that you need to start cultivating in your life today? Think about that. What do I want to see in my life down the road that I need to start in on right now? What do we do to change that? Well, God says plow new ground. Here's the way you start making a change. You plow new ground. Don't plow up the old ground. Don't keep doing the same old thing that you've already done because that's not working. And everybody knows that is the definition of insanity, right? So plow some new ground. Step out on faith. Don't be afraid to climb out on a limb. That's where the fruit is, man. So climb out there. Plow new ground. You know what that involves? That involves courage. It takes courage to step out on faith. It takes courage to do something new. New possibilities require courage. It's risky trying new things. It's much easier to stay with what is familiar, isn't it? But you're not going to change. You're not going to become better. New possibilities won't come into your life if you don't change. I told the first service an alarming statistic. I've, I've been asked by our denomination to be a, um, involved in a group that, that helps and goes out and helps churches that are declining to be revitalized, okay? So I'm reading all these books. I go to training in December, and then, then I'm going to be helping churches that are plateaued or declining in our denomination to rise above that and to start growing again. Here's the alarming statistic, and th this has been confirmed by numerous groups who have studied it. It goes beyond denominational barriers. Churches in America today, 85% of the churches, Christian churches, evangelical churches, 85% of them are either plateaued or declining. That means there, there's no growth going on in these churches. They're staying the same or they're going down. You know why that is? There's a lot of little factors involved, but the number one reason there is because they don't want to change. They don't want to do anything different. Let's be comfortable. Let's, let's hire a preacher who just comes in and pats us on the back and is real nice to us and preaches good sermons on heaven all the time, and, and let's just love everybody in here and take care of each other. And we're going to be okay. No, you're not! Because if that's all you do, you are going to plateau, and you will decline, and you will die as a church. And that's not what the church of Jesus Christ has been called to do. 
We have been called to go into the regions beyond and do everything possible in our strength and ability with the power of God to reach this world with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. And you know what? That's risky. But you got to step out there. You got to take the step of faith. That's why you got to do things that people say are crazy. I mean, who, what church in their right mind would start a building program, a $5 million building program in the middle of COVID-19? <laughs> Kavanaugh? Because, you know, right now we got to have our pews marked off and I understand all that. But you know what? When, when this mess is over with, we're going to need not only all the space we have, we're going to need the new space. Why? Because God is up to new things. He's up to good things. He's up to changing lives. And I believe one of the things that's going to come out of this is that our church is going to grow. Notice the results of plowing new ground, of being courageous. God said, plow new ground for yourselves, plant righteousness, and reap the blessings your devotion to me will produce. God says, you're going to reap a blessing. You just seek me, you do what I'm calling you to do, and I'm going to bless that. So let me dare you this morning. And I told the first service, sometimes just the dare doesn't do. Sometimes you got to do a double dog dare. Right? So here's what I'm double dog daring you right now to do something with your life. Get off the bench and get into the game. Make your life count. Isn't it about time to let the Lord start blessing you? God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless your life, your family. I want to bless this church. But you know what? You're going to have to step out in faith. You're going to have to plow some new ground. So take the risk. Some of you say, well, God, God, I, I want to do that. Man, I, I really want to do that. I, I, I just need the courage to do that. God says, do it. Step out. Plow the ground. I'll bless you. So, so let me ask you, what could hold you back from that? What would hold you back from stepping out in faith today and doing something that God wants you to do? Some of you say, well, here's what's holding me back, my past. I've blown it so bad in my past, God would never use me. God would never bless me. I, sorry, that's wrong thinking. Let me go back to the verse I started with, Isaiah 43. Don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. Don't let the past hold you down. Why? Behold, I want to do a new thing. So you know what? If you've asked God to forgive you, he's forgiven you of your past. That's been buried into the sea of forgetfulness, and God's never going to hold that against you again. So let's plow some new ground. Some of you say, well, God's blessed me in my life so much, it's not fair for me to ask for any more blessings. I mean, I've already had such a full life and, and a good life. It's been great. I, I shouldn't expect something more from God. You know what that is? That's crazy thinking right there. God is saying back to you, that's nothing. What I've done in the past is nothing compared to what I want to do in the future. That's why I've entitled this sermon, The Best is Yet to Come. 
And I honestly believe that. If you're a believer, all of your best days are ahead of you. If you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're walking daily with the Lord God, you never need to fear the future. Never. There are people panicking in this pandemic. They're afraid to walk out of their house. You know what? We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And you don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of it. As a Christian, all of my best days are ahead of me. I was doing that crazy math at the beginning. God's really, God has really been messing with me about this. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I am 59 years old. And, and, and I know reality says, Will, you're not going to be here forever. And you're not going to be able to, to, to pastor from now on. You, you need to start thinking about retirement. But I hate to think about that. I do. I, I hate to, you know, preparing for it and getting ready for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready. And something inside of me says, well, you know, you need to, you, I guess it's about time to start getting ready for it. Somebody said something the other day about the craziness in the world. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. It's all going to be over November the, the 4th. Everything's going to be okay November 4th. You can, I'm not going to say anything else about that. You can just cont contemplate it on your own. He didn't know what I was talking about, though. He said, oh, are you retiring November 4th? <laughs> I said, do I look like I need to retire? Don't answer that. Yeah. Here's what the Lord's been telling me. This is just me personally talking to him. Here's what the Lord's been saying. He said, well, really, you know what? Don't even, don't even get all worried about retirement because you know what? You've got some good years left, dude. Okay? And I know you've been involved in ministry now all of your life. You've been senior pastor for 37 plus years. But you know what, Will? Of all the things that I've done in your life up to this point, those things can't even be compared to what I'm going to do at the tail end of your life. Your best is yet to come. And I mean that, guys. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I want to give you my best. I want to give God my best. I want to do the best I can for him. Why? Because God's got great things for all of us. Step out in faith and do the best you can do. I think one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make is to think they can live their entire life off of that single commitment that you made back in 1776 or whenever you made it, you know? No, it is an ongoing commitment. Your relationship to Jesus Christ is a daily renewal. Yes, there was a point in time I gave my life to Jesus Christ, but every single day since then has been a renewal in my relationship with him. Theologians call this progressive sanctification. Every day I'm to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. It's kind of like marriage. I got married back in 1983. Angie and I stood at the Norman First Free Will Baptist Church in front of a preacher, Joe Grizzle, and I said, I do. And we did. And we were done. Yeah. I do. That, that was the initial commitment that I made. That made me married. Saying I do made me married. And you know what? That, that is that one-time commitment, and it's good until we die. Okay? Lifetime commitment. I do. We did. But if 
I were expecting our marriage to grow and be fruitful based on that one-time commitment of saying, I do, I'm in for a miserable life. Because you know what a good marriage takes? Every day saying, I do. I do, baby. I do. And meaning it. It is a renewal. And so it is in our relationship with, the Je with Jesus Christ. The main mistake that many people make is they think, you know what? That one-time decision is all I need. No, you need a daily renewal with Jesus Christ. And so it brings me to ask you this question. When was the last time you updated your commitment to Jesus Christ? Well, how about today? I, I don't know of a time in which we need to be more committed than today. Why? Because we're facing new problems that require creativity to solve. We're having new pressures that require conviction to stand. And all of the possibilities that are coming our way can only be done as we step out in faith and renew our commitment and walk with courage with the Lord Jesus Christ. So would you do that this morning? I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to renew my commitment to Jesus. Would you? Heavenly Father, I pray for each of us who are in this room and everyone who's listening online. Lord, there, there may be someone, perhaps even a few, who have never committed their life to Jesus. I pray that they would make that commitment today, that they would say, I do, to Jesus. Praying the simple prayer, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. Come into my heart. Then, dear Lord, I pray that all of us would renew our commitment to you. Yes, we're facing new problems that, that require new solutions. Lord, give us the new mind to be creative and solve the problems. Lord, we all feel the pressure of this day. I, I pray that, that we have the conviction not to allow the world to squeeze us into their mold, but to stand on the promises of God. And Lord, as you bring new possibilities, I pray that we would have the courage to take that step of faith and engage our faith and do what you've called us to do. Help us to realize our best is yet to come. Lord, I pray for every person, every family. I pray for the future of Kavanaugh Church. Help us to always be in the center of your will. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. If you're listening online and you need to talk to one of our pastors, please call us or come by this week. For those of you in person, we're going to be hanging around. Uh, we'd love to talk to you today for the, about the needs that you have in your life. A couple of real quick things. Mask up before you leave. When you walk out the door, drop your offering in, all right? Uh, be online tonight, 6 o'clock for Kids Church, 6 o'clock for teen service. At, uh, at 6.30, we have adult Bible study David Watts, your own man, you're teaching tonight. I'm looking forward to listening to Brother David, great man of God, so uh, be online for that. August 30th is the next big day I want to talk to you about. It's happening August 30th. Two things are going to happen. Number one, we're kicking kids' church back into gear, okay? Both at 9 o'clock and 10.30, Johnny's going to have his uh, uh, Western Town open for kids' church. Now, you're probably concerned, don't be concerned you're going to receive a letter this week that's like three pages long that's going to explain what we're doing not only in kids' church, but also we've set a date to open up We Worship for this service. And there's also information in that letter about teen church. 
okay, reopening. And so all the details are going to be laid out. Uh, we just want you to read that letter. If you have questions, make sure that you call us. Now, check-in is about to become a lot easier here in a second. We're going to show a video about that. But before we do, let me just say this. The next thing on August 30th is World Mission Offering takes place on August 30th. Usually we have this back in April, but because of COVID, our international missions put it on hold. We're going to do it August 30th. That means that our entire offering that day is going to go to World Missions. You, some of you might, are you serious, preacher? How in the world can the church live if, if we give our entire offering to world missions? Well, it's a cool thing. God takes care of it. We've been doing it for several years now, and it is amazing. Why, why mess up a good thing? Huh? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, world missions needs the offering. God has blessed us, so we're just going to, everything you give August the 30th, goes to world mission. So be praying about what God would have you to give. Now, kids check. New thing. New problems require what? Creativity. So it, we're going to get a little creative. Watch this. Child safety is a top priority for everyone. And so is fast, easy, and secure children's check-in. Introducing Express Check-In from KidCheck. No more waiting in line to check-in. Instead, you can check your children in right from your smartphone. It's simple. Download the free KidCheck app on your Apple or Android mobile device. Then start check-in where it's convenient for you. From home, in the car, or from the parking lot. Wherever there's an internet or cellular data connection. And then when you arrive, your phone will prompt you to complete check-in. Simply tap submit, and pick up your child and guardian labels. It's that easy. Express check-in is simple, fast, convenient, and secure. Download the KidCheck app and get started with Express. You're gonna love it. And get started with Express. You're gonna love it. We've never done it like that before, Brother Whit. Well, it's about time we start doing new things like that, all right? So awesome, you can, you can start doing that for your kids and your grandkids on August 30th. Hey, you know what I always say at the end? Our staff loves you. I love you. God loves you. Hope you have a great week. Stay blessed. Step out in faith. Do something risky for God. You're dismissed.